everyone, and welcome to The Right Perspective. Today, we are going to recap a 1987 fantasy comedy film, The Princess Bride. It was directed and co-produced by Rob Reiner and starred Carrie Elwes, Robin Wright, Mandy Patinkin, Chris Sarandon, Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, and Christopher Guest. While the film cannot really be considered a blockbuster hit with a budget of $16 million and a box office of $30.9 million, it is definitely considered a cult classic. The film is number 50 on the list of um, Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies, and it's number 88 on AFI's list of the 100 Greatest Film Love Stories. And, you know, for some, these accolades will be enough to consider this movie a classic. Uh, but today, we will determine whether it is a classic <laughs> from the right perspective. We'll do a recap, we'll discuss the movie, and then we'll take a vote using a voting symbol picked especially for this discussion. But we start with intros. Kick us off, bro. Hi, my name is Aubrey Wright. I'm the oldest. I'm Janiah Wright. I'm the middle. Hi, I'm Brittany Wright, and I am the young <laughs> Extra for no reason today. For absolutely right. no reason. I'm Tony Tillin. No, that's okay. All right, well, okay, that's okay. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. <laughs> Y'all, um, coming up with voting symbols for this was actually oh, that's right. It was fun. It was fun, and I have two to recommend, y'all. Okay, and I this is I, normally when I am making these recommendations for voting symbols, I you know sometimes I'm not super confident that you guys are going to love them, believe it or not. But this time, I think I have two winners, and I think you're going to love these ideas so much that we're just not even going to know which one to pick. Oh right. my! Oh my goodness! Yeah. All right. Let's so. Hit it. My first recommendation is the Pirate Dread Roberts, okay? Because he is a concept, right? He's not really a person. He's a he's a concept. And people believe he is real. And because people believe he is real, he is. Meanwhile, we find out that he is really just a persona. He, quotes, is really just a persona that's being passed around. It's really an analogy for faith. You know, believing in something without even having evidence of it. You know, he's really just a name that people fear. Um, and that concept of faith is something that is so present in this film. You know, Wesley only gets Buttercup to fall in love with him because he kind of hangs around believing that eventually his love will be returned. He actually sets out to travel believing that he'll find his fortune. Fezzik and Inigo Montoya, they believe that they can bring Wesley back to life. And so it happens, you know, Buttercup believes that Wesley will save her. And so he does. And so faith plays such an important part in this movie. So that's my first recommendation. The second recommendation for a voting symbol is the miracle pill. Okay. And this is the pill that brings Wesley back to life when he has been murdered by the prince. Okay. The pill that coming back to life, you know what it actually reminded me of? Sometimes when I am in just a funk, I will call Brittany and be like, Brittany, I cannot find my life force. Can you please help me find it? And we just chit chat until the rains pass, you know? And so I started thinking about that miracle pill. It really symbolizes love and friendship. It's the thing that can bring you back to life when you feel like you are mostly dead, as they call mm. it in the film. Yeah. 
And so this film mm. is about love. It is about friendship. And so <laughs> my second recommendation for a voting symbol is the miracle pill. Mm. Yes. Well, those were very Janaya suggestions. I will Two say. winners. Two winners. They're so good. <laughs> they are so good. Uh, <laughs> did you come up with any, bro? Of course. I uh, have also, there were a lot of things that could be used. It's but true. The, but the thing is that there was so much of it that I had its own little part, but it wasn't like the overall movie. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm thinking, but anyway, so I, what I came up with was the mask, the mm. mask of the Dread Power Roberts. And the, also, but my my favorite one is is a sword. And, um, because that was the one element that was throughout the whole uh uh, the entire movie because um from the very beginning when you had uh Wesley chasing um the kidnappers you know just, just through all the sword fights through the buildup of the story of what Indigo Montoya and even at the end when Wesley um uh stared down the prince it was with with a sword. So uh, that was the one thing I was like, well, this is in every aspect. And it's not a sword, but of course, the knife when Buttercup was talking about killing herself. Yes, yes. <laughs> so th- those those are my two, but I, I really like the sword. Nice. And Britt, what did you come up with just now? Literally. <laughs> I said to myself, as soon as Janiah was like voting symbols, I was like, oh yeah, we have those. <laughs> um, I literally said in my brain, mask or sword. <laughs> that was it. And then I started trying to be creative. I was like, oh, an electric chair. Oh, uh, a tree. You was getting real Janiah with it. I was. I was but like, listen, I, 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 I like the fact, I like the fact that we let Janiah ideas get through from time to time. I do. <laughs> Um, you know, this one, this is a simple movie. I think we should keep the, I think we should, because this is going to be one of the things I'll talk about. I think that honestly, when you think about what we all just said, we all said the same thing. Janiah gave him a name, the Montoya. What is his name again? Dread no, but she Scott. actually wants to use Dread Power Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brittany missing and up the characters already. <laughs> Lord God, we didn't even get started yet. You what? So she said the person, and we said the mask that's on the person. It's the same thing. We got yeah. Yeah, I can get with I'm the mask. I'm going to just do the mask. mask. All right, let's do it. All right. I like it. I like it. The mask. Uh, the Fred Pirate. <laughs> What's his Roberts. name? Fred. Dread. Dread. <laughs> Dread Pirate Robert. Y'all are just the worst. <laughs> Pete. That was a major, major plot point. <laughs> What's his name again? Dread Pirate Roberts. Okay. Okay. Also known as the Man in Black. Okay. All right. So if. The Princess Bride gets three masks at the end of this podcast. Then it will be a classic 
from a The Right perspective. Let's hop in. And we're now about to do a recap. And for any of our new listeners or viewers, if you haven't picked it up already, spoilers abound. Okay. So we really do a, 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 a really in-depth recap because you know what? Sometimes people haven't seen this content in 20 years or they haven't seen it at all, but they want to enjoy the podcast. So we do a real recap of the movie. Here we go. So the Princess Bride opens with a grandfather who's played by Peter Falk telling a story to his grandson, Fred Savage, who is sick in bed with like a cold or a flu. It's nothing like major, like life-threatening. And he's reading from a really old book. And he tells the grandson that the story has been passed down for generations, you know, and in that opening scene where he's like telling the grandson about the the book and the story he's about to tell, he does deliver one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. When I was your age, television was called books. Anyway, so the, (laughs) the grandfather and the grandson they are not really, you know, super, super important to the movie, except that the, fa- the grandfather ends up narrating the, the whole movie. And the story he is telling is called The Princess Bride. And again, in reading the story to the grandson, he actually narrates the movie. So the story takes place in a mythical kingdom called Florian. And it centers around a beautiful farm girl named Buttercup that has been chosen to marry the prince of Florian named Prince Humperdinck. <laughs> Humperdinck. 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 Okay. She didn't really want to marry him, but she was going along with it because her true love, a young man named Wesley that she used to work with on the farm, he had been killed by a well-known and greatly feared pirate named the Dread Pirate Roberts. And just a few days before this wedding, she is actually kidnapped by a group of outlaws And um, the master, and it's three of them, and the mastermind uh, of this entire kidnapping plan is Vizini, who's played by Wallace Shawn. And he kidnaps her with the plan of framing uh, a neighboring kingdom, the kingdom of Gilder. Okay, he wants to frame them for the kidnapping in the hopes of starting a war between the two kingdoms. He has two people that he's hired to help him implement his plan. The first is a giant named Fezzik. He's played by Andre the Giant. And he actually turns out to be a very complicated man. You know, he isn't just brawn, okay? He has a heart of gold and he values kindness and fairness over anything nefarious. And somehow he tries to bring those values into his work as a villain, okay? And then the second hired hand is an expert swordsman named Inigo Montoya, played by Mandy Patinkin. And he actually only has one purpose in his life, and that is to kill the six-fingered man that killed his father when he was a child. Everything else he does, including kidnapping, is just to fill the time until he can find that six-fingered man and kill him. So this trio, they capture Buttercup, And by the way, listen, she doesn't just let herself be captured, okay? She puts up a valiant fight, all right? Let let the record show, okay? And so they kidnap her, and they're selling away, thinking they have gotten away with the kidnapping, but no, they didn't. For some reason, the infamous Dread Pirate Roberts, he is like the man, he wears all black, and he wears a black mask, and so they call him sometimes the man in black. 
He is hot on their tails, okay? But why would he be coming to get them? It's probably to get the princess to hold her for ransom. But guess what? They don't know why he's coming and they don't want to find out, okay? So they are just putting a plan in place to get away from him, okay? Or take him down, okay? One or the other, but they're trying to get away. And so they end up splitting up to try to take him down. The first line of defense is Inigo Montoya, who really is an awesome swordsman. Unfortunately, Dread Pirate Roberts is better, okay? He doesn't kill Inigo, but he does knock him out. Next is Fezzik, who tries to use his size and strength to take out the pirate, but Dread Pirate Roberts ultimately uses his size against him and knocks him out. Again, doesn't kill him, knocks him out. Finally, the pirate catches up with Vizini, who has Buttercup with him all tied up. And he's a really small, weak man, and he tries to fight the pirate with his wits. And of course, he loses. Dread Pirate Roberts tricks, tricks Vizini into drinking poison. And unlike the swordsman and the giant, Vizini is now dead, okay? At this point, it's just Buttercup and the pirate. And she is still not about to go down easy, by the way, okay? And she says to the pirate, she says, listen, the prince is a master tracker, okay? And he is surely looking for me. You are about to get got. I'm paraphrasing, all right? And she's right. The prince is hot on the trail and he does catch them. But by then it's too late because it turns out that behind that black mask, the dread pirate Roberts is actually Wesley, the farm boy that is her one true love. Now, he had assumed the role of Dread Pirate Roberts after his reluctant mentor, the last Dread Pirate Roberts, went into retirement. So if Buttercup and Wesley can get away, Buttercup won't have to marry the prince after all, and she'll get to be with the love of her life. And so they run, and they are surviving all kinds of obstacles in the forest as they're trying to get away, but eventually the prince does catch them. And Wesley is about to get got, but... Buttercup saves his life by agreeing to marry the prince. And the prince says, okay, I'm going to marry you, Buttercup, and I will let Wesley go. Now, of course, the prince was lying, okay? Uh, he has Wesley tortured and killed anyway, okay? And believe it or not, the prince doesn't even love Buttercup. And in fact, he plans to murder her right after the wedding. And it turns out that he is the one that hired Vizini to begin with, to kidnap and kill Buttercup and blame it on the kingdom of Gilder, okay, as a pretense to start a war so he could take over their kingdom. All right? And so it also turns out that one of the princess not henchmen- Not men in imagination land. Not even. Where they at, yo? Well, they're coming. So <laughs> stay tuned. They're coming. So it also turns out that one of the princess henchman, Count Tyrone, and I love that his name is Tyrone. Count <laughs> Tyrone is the six-finger man that Inigo Montoya has been looking for his entire life. Fezzik and Inigo find this out, and they are ready to go and get him, but they need help getting into the castle, okay? And they need a strategist like who? The man in black, the dread pirate Roberts, aka Wesley. And so they go and try to rescue him in the castle because they want to ask for his help to take down the six-finger man, but by the time they get there, Wesley's already dead. So, naturally, they took his body to a magician named Miracle Max, played by Billy Crystal, to be brought back to life. Miracle Max gives them a pill 
that does begin to slowly bring Wesley back to life. His wits are back before his motor skills. And so the trio concocts a plan that enables them to get into the castle and Inigo gets to avenge his father's death by killing that six-fingered man. But it's too late to stop the wedding. Just moments before they arrive, Buttercup and Prince Humperdinck's marriage ceremony had taken place and Buttercup thinks Wesley is dead. Buttercup, once again, she is so distraught, okay? She is about to kill herself and she tells everybody, I'm about to kill myself, okay? But then she finds Wesley in her bed, in her chambers. And she is happy for like five seconds when the prince comes in behind her. Wesley, who is laying in the bed because he has not yet fully regained his motor skills, he essentially punks the prince into backing down from fighting him, <laughs> allowing Wesley, Buttercup, Inigo, and Fezzik to get away, okay? And Wesley names Inigo the new dread pirate Roberts, and he and Buttercup live happily ever after on the spoils from his time as the Dread Pirate Roberts. The end. <laughs> y'all, listen, the Great characters, thank you, thank you so much, bud. And y'all, the characters in this movie, oh my gosh, they are so, so silly. They are just silly. Their, their language, their, their character profiles, silly. I have to ask y'all, did y'all have a favorite character in, in the movie? There's no question. I know you're going to say it for I me. knew it. I knew no, it. That's, there's no question. <laughs> I knew there's it. There's no question. What makes him your favorite, bro? <laughs> I mean, just, I love his arrogance. I love everything about the characters are so understated, but pop. It just pops so good. Like when uh, at the beginning of the movie, you're talking about the man in black is chasing these the, the these three kidnappers. And uh, at one point, he's about to catch up. And so Vincini tells him, go kill it. He's like, should I use my left hand or my right? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? He's like, well, if I lose... If I use my right hand, I'll kill him too quickly. So I use my left hand. This way I'll enjoy it more. <laughs> he had no idea about this dude. And, and just the, the banter between the two of them when they're fighting. And it's just like, you are wonderful. <laughs> I worked hard to be so. You know, they're like complimenting as they're fighting to the death. You know, and uh, they were just perfect in that. And through the whole show he was funny through the whole movie he was funny and even at the end his climax was just what one thing i love about this movie you had several different climaxes and one of the climaxes was when he got to beat this guy he's been wanting to fight and he life. had his whole line set up my name is indigo Montoya. you killed my father prepare to die oh. and when he finally got to say it and like that, and there was a point he almost lost the fight. Yeah, and then you could just see his that know, resolve. His, it comes you back. That resolve is <laughs> coming through. The eye of and the tiger. The end, yeah. he was like, he was like, promise me money, promise me power. All I have and more. He was like, I want my father back. You son of a bitch! And <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's just one of the all time best 
Oh, good. Raps uh, of, of orcs, and that's why he's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. What about you, sis? And I have a guess for you as well. We didn't just got started. Hey, what? No favorite character? Well, you know what, you know, this, I, I do think Brittany should kick us off in the, in the sense of the, the real. Well, first of all, tell us your favorite. But after that, Brittany should set us off because this is Brittany's first time. That's so right. me and Janiyah are colored by we you know, a lot of when you grow up with something. Yes, yes. And I, I'm just interested to hear a take, a, a 2021 take, a fresh take. So, but who was your favorite, uh, Janiyah? Well, I gotta say, my I had a couple of favorite characters, and they were like the the characters that were not the main main characters. Like I loved Billy Crystal's characters as as oh, Beautiful Max. And you know his wife was played by Carol the Castle. Oh my god! It was just like, how did you manage MS, to like MLT lettuce and tomato? You just have to wonder how. Like, I feel like some of his lines had to be improv because they were just so <laughs> yes. Billy Crystal, and they were so silly, you know. And I also one other character I have to give an honorable mention to also was. Um, the 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 head bad guy played by um, Wallace Shawn Vizzini. He kept his his line. Nailed it. His line repeatedly was inconceivable. Inconceivable. <laughs> and, and I, that and was another was, one. And he goes, "What's on your head?" He was like, "You keep saying this word. I don't think it means what you think it means." Because right. he kept saying it, and then whatever was inconceivable, what that to was him, actually what happened in like one second. And so it was just like. He was just his way of delivering that line inconceivable. Oh, he nailed it. Was it. Just so he good. It. So he those it. are those are. I mean, so- that I might not have a favorite character. I have a favorite part. Okay. Oh, what's your favorite part? Give it what's to your favorite part? I just like that part. <laughs> when he's when he was coming back to life, and they were like trying to figure out a plan. They were looking at all the people <laughs> sitting outside the door of the castle, and he's. Body was not working all the way, and I do remember genuinely so laughing like, "What? This is so silly." When Andre the Giant was just dragging him around, around. He, nailed, he nailed that that uh, that dialogue to, around of this dialogue, but he he nailed his part too because when he woke up, he was like, "Who are you? I'll take you. I'll take you one at a time. I'll take you one at it's like, but your arms are not working. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to do Everybody that. That is inconceivable. Yeah. Everybody in this movie was very, very confident. Very you know, confident. Like, I mean, because you want to talk about favorite parts. When Vinci, um, when Vincini was talking through his genius, <laughs> when he was talking through, <laughs> because they, the, 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 he challenged the, battle of the man in black to yeah. a battle of wits, which was the he basically man in black poisoned one of the the chalices of wine and so was like you choose both we'll both yeah i know but yeah. the, the but the contest was i'm gonna choose one and you i'm gonna poison one and you gotta choose so like that was the <laughs> yeah and like he was like all i have to do is figure out are you the type of man who put the or the poison in front of me and his whole like that had to be ad-libbed oh his man. whole his whole 
uh, uh, just going through his thought process why he was picking the wine. And then, and then at the end when he switched the chalices, when he wasn't looking, <laughs> but it was like, why? He was going to drink from whichever one <laughs> you told him to drink from. Right. But, you know, you had to switch just for that last Just one more game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man. man. Yeah. But, yeah. That was a good part, sis. Good, good part. <laughs> oh, man. And then, and then the other thing I love about that part, Brett, is when he was asking, okay, what are our assets? What are our liabilities? <laughs> <laughs> he said, asset, you know, basically, we, like, we have no assets. He was like, if only we had a world barrel, and they had one. He was like, <laughs> what, why didn't you tell me that in the first place? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was yeah. a good part. Yeah. But, Brett, how did you feel, though? So, like, this is one of those movies that is a, a classic, you know, as a cult following. Serious, so, serious cult following. And in fact, so like for me, the movie, the actual, the movie started making money after VCRs, like after people could rent it. That's when it started making money when people could buy it on VHS. So like, and it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it was, it was an original, went viral after. It was out yes. of the theaters type, That's right. type situation. That's right. So it has a call following. So you're coming with a certain amount of expectations, but what did you think overall in watching it? And we were just about to start talking about this before the podcast started, and I cut it off because I wanted <laughs> it, I wanted to hear it live and direct. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy it. But I do not feel the way the two of you feel right now. Like y'all are so happy. And I'm like, I'm sitting here processing in my mind. Like, I feel so bad. I really don't remember much of what happened in this. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, but look, that's that that's I'm what like, oh my when Janai was talking, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. And I was, but that's but that's the like, job of the movie. Oh no, like, that's the job of the movie is to I, make you remember. But it's it, not the other way around. The, the movie's but supposed to make you remember. I still remember enjoying some parts that were uh, funny. Um, I definitely could see how a movie this silly, people would still remember it and enjoy it and things like that. You know, movies that are making fun of itself. Um, and how just to watch actors and actresses not take themselves seriously uh that they're just having a good time in the movie so i can see that but i you all saying that it is a cult classic i literally like how mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. so you were thinking that while you were watching like yeah i, I was thinking mm-hmm. like how's i'm like yeah this is a nice movie I, i'm enjoying <laughs> it i'm like well, like, what did you think? What did you think of the story, sis? Like the like, actual storyline of you know the the you know the prince trying you know getting the girl, and then you know Wesley eventually coming back through this series of circumstances to get her back. What did you think of the story? Well, I knew as soon as I saw, um, I knew as soon as I saw the the what is his name. Pirate Fred, as soon as I saw him. Dread Pirate Roberts. Thank you. I knew. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's Wesley. Well, we I all like, knew. I mean, everybody knew that. That's right. that's one of the tongue-in-cheek parts of the... Where all he like, has on is a mask. Otherwise, this is literally exactly her lover. the same. She's not, he's not the same. changing his voice. 
<laughs> right. So I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, that's Wesley. I was like, oh, that's cute. But you know, I was, I think I was kind of laughing at the the prince, just how dumb yet confident and just I was like, what is happening here? Why? <laughs> and it's like, oh yes, they were right here just a moment ago. And I was just like, this is so it was an epic this battle. Is so silly. Both masters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, so I think that uh, you know, I think that those actors and actresses were probably something special during that time. And as we we talked a bit that there's they've still some of them have still done things that are present day. Uh, but just during that time, right. So just during that time, how they were, you know, really important. So they could do something like this. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed it, but I just don't see myself feeling like, oh my goodness, this is a movie that is going to stand the test of times. So while I was watching it, I was, you know, and I, but like, again, as I'm sitting here listening to you guys, I'm <laughs> I well, I mean, I, I, think, I think it's just, it's just one of those things, you know. Like, see, and I, I feel like I've thought about it too. I was like, this was in the movie theater. This feels like, I mean, you know how they do Andre the Giant, like, Billy Crystal, you know, like right. These are big names. But yeah, the way that it felt was like, you know, how they're like. ABC presents. If it, it, it felt, it felt made for you TV, know, this type it felt of made like a TV. made for TV type of yeah, movie, and you're like all around like, oh man, this is something special. We can't wait to like, watch like it. That really looks like a it's, set. Yeah, it's, it's only coming on television, so <laughs> yeah. we're all the whole families around the TV to watch it. Oh yeah, Andre the Giant. And it's like I'm watching. It's like this was at a box office. <laughs> Listen, it's none of my business. I, <laughs> I remember watching. I don't remember watching it in the theater. You know, I I was too young yeah, obviously, I don't, I when don't it came out in the yeah. theater. Yeah, but, I don't think um, you saw it in the theater. But I just remember. I remember it coming on television. One of those things that came on television all the time. You know, and so I watched it on television. And I honestly did not remember a lot of the specifics. So, sis, when you're talking about the movie, the details aren't staying with you even just a, a couple of weeks later. Um, I didn't I didn't remember the details, but I remembered how I felt watching it. And I remembered it being a that fun nostalgia. movie. And yeah. I remembered that it nostalgia. having um, I remembered some of the some of the lines from it, mm. you know, so I, I remember um, Inconceivable. You know, like I remember him delivering that line, uh, and so. But I just naming he's that funny. to say that I just think he's he's funny. He's a funny so guy. funny, I like so him. funny. I I didn't have the kind of um, like when I, when we were watching Sister Act, for example, I have that movie basically memorized. So it's a different kind of nostalgia. Um, for this, it was just kind of like I had a general memory of enjoying it. So I, yeah. in many ways, like I felt like I was, I was um, watching it, you know, for the first time, you know, because mm -hmm. like I was getting into the details, and I did laugh out loud. You know, I didn't. There, there, there were lots of parts where I was just smiling, like who wrote this silliness, and then there were other times where I actually found myself laughing out loud and it was part of it was just like um you'd have these moments of drama in the story and then they come right back to the silliness there was a part where mandy patinkin's character um an indigo he is um calling upon the spirit 
of his dead father to help lead him <laughs> into the next part of the journey. And he's like holding his sword out and calling to his father's spirit. And there's so much heart and his delivery in that scene that you're pulled away from the comedy for a minute, you know, and you're into the drama and emotion of that moment. And then two beats later, something dumb has happened again and you're laughing. And so I really did have like the kind of laughter that comes from being surprised in a delightful yeah. way. In I the do movie. remember, I do remember kind of chuckling because I was laughing like, oh, this is the first electric chair. And so it just made me <laughs> the torture um, chamber. It, it yeah. was so funny, just like it was taking such a long time to torture him because it was like <laughs> all this water had to come, the wheel had to spin. And I was just kind of laughing, like, this is horrible. You're waiting forever for this thing to happen. But I just I thought that that was pretty funny how they were like, how would they create electricity to get that done to him during this time? This machine. <laughs> so I just felt like they were sitting at the desk, like, we have to make this machine do this and all the levels and all of this and all of that. So I thought that that was a really creative um, how they and had that. I, I have a question specifically for you, bro about um Andre the Giant. Were you into like WWWF and Everyone stuff? Was. Okay. So Everyone was. were you a fan of Andre the Giant before watching this? And like did you watch it as an Andre the Giant fan? Listen back in I the day. To, I had to Google him. That was a big man. Oh he was. What was he like? Seven 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 four five hundred twenty pounds. That's a big man. You you should see you, you like should that. look up what he used to eat. It was crazy. But um Because isn't the, Shaq Shaq is what seven seven six? Shaq, Shaq is something big too. Now I'm, I was just like these what 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 part of the planet did y'all originate? Because <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, cause cause back back then it was you liked all of them. My favorite was the ultimate warrior. That that was my favorite wrestler, but you liked all of them. You know what I mean? Because they had toys. And um, one of Uncle Norman took me to uh, a live WWF at the Civic uh, Arena. Is that what it used to be called? Yeah, Civic Arena. Civic Arena. Yeah, Yeah. it was was one of of my best memories from childhood. But um, I think that that is the casting is one of the reasons because I love this movie from the nostalgia standpoint. But I believe, and I don't know, but I believe if I saw this, let's say it was on Netflix and I just clicked it because I was bored one day, I think I would have enjoyed it. And um, uh, right from the beginning. And the reason why is because you know, you spoke on something and I looked up the um, Carrie Els, if that's how you pronounce it, who played Wesley. He was in Elwes. I actually he looked was, up the pronunciation because I wasn't sure. Elwes, Elwes. okay. Mm-hmm. He was in Saw. He's been oh, in. Um, I think he was on SVU. He's played serious characters. Yeah. Mandy uh, Patinkin was on one of my favorite shows, Criminal Minds. Robin Wright uh, is obviously one of the leads on House of Cards. But th- the point I'm trying to make is, is this was a silly movie with heavy hitting actors. So they can make that transition from, you know, a heartfelt speech to something silly two seconds later. 
And even if they hadn't blossomed into everything they are now, I think just that raw talent was there. Also, having the strategically placed uh, cameos, you know what I mean? Just, just like, you, you can't really call Andre the Giant a cameo because he was there throughout the whole movie. But, like, just seeing Andre the Giant in this, but he was good in it. And you know how, like, usually you see um, uh, actors, I mean, uh, it's athletes trying to act. They're like, oh, my gosh. You know, like, don't, it's a, don't do Kazam like that. <laughs> I ain't mentioned no names of nobody. But when you see them act, it's like, but he, he did good. He, he did definitely good in, did. In, in, in his role. Like I felt like that's how a giant would be acting, you know. And uh, and y'all, it was it was really um, interesting. I did do a little bit of reading specifically because I couldn't really remember Andre the Giant well. Like I remember him as a character, you know, from our childhood, but I couldn't remember who he was. And then it was like, oh, he was a WWF, you know, guy. Um, and y'all, it turns out that he had had back surgery right before they filmed this. So mm. he couldn't actually lift anything heavy. And he had to be really careful with his movements. And they actually used a body double that was a foot shorter than him for a lot of the scenes that required him to be physical. And so like, there's this scene where, um, you know, Wesley is like jumping on his back. That, they used a body double. You yeah, know, and, and, the, and the only time it's obvious is at the end when they jump on the horses. That was a, that was a pretty. They weren't bad even trying. Double. They weren't even that, trying. At that that point. They, they were. They couldn't have been. Like I think it was part of the mocking. Yeah, it was just like whatever. Because <laughs> yeah. they, like, like, they like threw each other out the window. And, you know, it's like a doll right. floating down. I was, I was so. Confused. They were being silly. But but, oh, but when so they're funny. riding away, and when you see who's supposed to be the giant on his horse, like, he's trying to make it so bigger. It's like, that's clearly not. And I'm sure they didn't have a horse for him. <laughs> I went horseback riding once, and um, <laughs> we went, and they went and got everybody their horses, <laughs> and when it was my turn, he was like, hold on. And he went back and <laughs> this Big horse that looked like he was in the back lifting weights. Like we, we gotta bring him out. And so I know if they brought if they brought out the big horse for me, I know that they probably didn't need Yeah, there was no horse for there him. No horse I would say, days. first of all, don't be bringing no class they'll allow for me. <laughs> it was so funny. Don't, don't do me like that. Don't <laughs> well, bro. When you were talking about like Andre the Giant did a good job. Um, one of the little known facts that I discovered is that Reiner um, actually recorded all of Fezzik's dialogue so Andre the Giant could learn his lines phonetically. And oh. so they did a lot of work to get his delivery beyond what you're talking about, bro, that kind of I'm an athlete now trying to act oh. kind of thing. They That's had to do a lot of work to get him there. I know. I thought that was That's so interesting. interesting. But it also just speaks to the work that Andre the Giant put in Wait, to prepare for the role. Is he not from English was in the United language. States? Oh. He's not. He's okay. not. I think, is he Russian? I can't remember now, but no, he's definitely. But he he was he was one of the main because like one of, one of the biggest 
moments in WWF history was when French. He was born in France. Okay. When uh, I I, I think it was um, I think he actually threw him out the ring. It was Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, and uh, you know, because nobody had ever. Nobody had ever slammed Audrey the Giant because it was so big. And I can't, I think he threw him out the ring. I can't remember the end part, but I, I think he threw him out the ring. If I'm, I might be getting mixed up because Rocky threw Hulk Hogan out the ring in, in, in one of his movies. So, um, but anyway, he at least picked him up. And then when you saw Hulk Hogan pick it up, Audrey the Giant, it was just a huge moment. So had I'm just to be. saying, had to be. So I'm just had saying, it was, it, it was, a, he was a main, because even to be wrestling with Hulk Hogan, it was like, you know, Hulk Hogan was the deal. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. You know, and, this and, was and, long before drama. And Andre the Giant. So it, it turns out that Arnold Schwarzenegger was originally cast in that part. But by the time they actually got to production, Arnold Schwarzenegger's career had already taken off mm. and he can no longer like do it. But bro, when you're talking about like the WWF characters and Andre the Giant being a part of all of that, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he, I'm sure he would have brought a lot to the movie. But I just think as a kid watching your WWF hero be in the movie, that would have had to be released because Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't any of that, right? Like he was just an actor. Not just, but he was never. I thought he was uh, like a bodybuilder. Arnold Schwarzenegger. But was he was, like a wrestler, like like the rock? No, he was, no Brittany's right. He was a, he was a bodybuilder. Okay. But Arnold Schwarzenegger was. Yeah. Yeah, they couldn't Come afford in. him. They couldn't afford him by the time. But but, but I'm saying, I would have been equally as excited because. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger's Conan the Barbarian, so. And, and it's funny because oh, Conan the Barbarian, again, I remember the sentiment. I don't remember it specifically, but I remember he, that. And that's how I feel about, like, Xena the Warrior Princess. I, we like, I would, lo- like, Xena the Warrior Princess, I would watch that again because I just remember loving her. Now, I don't, I that was don't a good show. know anything about, you know, what the root of Xena is. Probably, it was probably comics and stuff like that. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> um, but I knew I loved that show. Yeah. And I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's, I like him because I, it feel, and I don't know if he's always been like this, but it just seems like he doesn't take himself seriously. Like, I mean, until he was like the governor of California, but that's like, (laughs) but like before that, um, he just seemed like he is silly and, you know, that's just his character. Like that's like his type of person. Like, I know I'm this giant person from Austria. I I am. (laughs) And I'm not taking myself seriously. That's so interesting. But I, you know, what's interesting, even though what you're saying is right, because he did like kindergarten cop. Uh, twins, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But, but, which are both, you know, great. Um, Jingle all the way. Good way. You know, it's not Man, a two one. You know, these are, twins these, are, these are movies that are in the culture as well. But I don't think he would have did better in that part than Andre the Giant Mm-mm. because he's big, but he's not like Andre the Giant is a giant. And his features 
or like a giant. That's right. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger just looks like a dude who lifts and uh, who's genetically perfect, according to him. <laughs> and if, just so you know, if you ever want to, if you ever want to kill a couple of hours and enjoy yourself, watch Pumping Iron. It's a movie. It's, it's a documentary. It's a documentary. Take place back when he was competing with Lou Ferrigno and all, you know, the guy who played the Hulk and all this. And like, they cannot stand him because Arnold just, his brain would just put his thoughts in your brain. Like he would just <laughs> say it all the time. I'm genetically perfect. He, he was just so, <laughs> he was so, but he was saying it was so much. And everybody else who was just as good at lifting weights, but he, he said, you know, he was like, you know, when they need something, it's like they come to me for advices. You know, it's like I'm the father and they're the child. <laughs> That's so anyway, horrible. I'm just telling you. That's so, you horrible. To, so horrible, but he's not joking. To, he's like, you really have to, like I, that, if you ever want to enjoy a couple of hours, just, just watch. But what I'm trying to make is, is his brand of how he is, I don't think would have fit. I think. Yeah. You needed Andre the Giant. Yeah, you, did. you needed you needed Andre the Giant, and and everything from we talk about music and like how I like how the sets weren't too good. They I were like not. That. They I, were. I like how they were consistent. <laughs> they, they 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 were they were yeah. all high school uh, cafeteria totally. consistent, and it allowed you to just be like these people were just having a good time. They're just and, having a good time. I love oh, the I music. Just, I just thought of a favorite character. Give it to the what do you got? The old man, as him and the princess were walking down, well, the new queen was walking down the hallway, and she's like, gives him a kiss, and like, I'm about to kill myself. This is my last time seeing you. He's like, She gave me a kiss. Yes. <laughs> Sir, you're yes. focused on the wrong thing. He oh didn't know, God. he didn't hear her. Oh my he god, that's he, a good one. He was deaf. And I was he like, was. and again, he didn't think, hear about how, think about how subtle that was. Yes, he didn't overdo it. Was it. So quick. It was just <laughs> perfect. He you know, so like good. the um, and you made me think of her getting married. And even that part. Marriage. <laughs> 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 Oh that actor, Peter, Peter Cook, <laughs> Peter Cook as the clergyman. Oh my gosh. He was hilarious. You almost just want to interview him. Like, what was your motivation? Who told you, like, what, were you channeling somebody you knew from your life? Right. It was it, so funny. It puts me in the mind of Frank from the, yes. from, from yes. this random accent like what is that we don't need slash speech impediment like we don't need it what are you doing What's i always i always thought it would be funny if they did a, a zoom you know how they were when we were in lockdown they would do those zooms the actors were doing zooms yeah. i think it would always it would have been funny to see balky bartakamos um for perfect strangers the the guy from Father of the Bride, uh, Frank. Martin Short. Um, Marshall, the guy from who did the Mellets, um, and the uh the one from that new show, Up Shits Creek. Um the mom from Home Alone. What was her name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is it? The um 
This I love that Zoom call. Upshish Creek. Huh? I love that Zoom call. <laughs> Her name is Catherine O'Hara. Yes, Catherine O'Hara. So 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 it would be so funny seeing them doing a Zoom call with, with their Accents. That would be like uh, all would, yeah, that, fake, unrecognizable accents. Yes, all just, iconic characters. <laughs> it would just be, it would be hilarious. But yeah, I, I just want to say my three bullets. Do it, bro. Why, why I love this movie. First of all, it's it's the uh, music because the music when there are certain feelings I will never get again as an adult. The feeling of waking up Saturday morning early and getting some cereal and, you know, pouring the milk and sitting down. And when that sound came on from your cartoon, like, it was just such a great feeling. And I'm just saying the songs of storybook, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the, the song gives me a little reminiscent mm. of that feeling. And um, like the, the beginning of Family Guy always gives me a little bit of that feeling because, you know, they still have a song that you can sing along to or whatever. And that's how songs used to be, you know. Yeah. Uh, gummy bears, bouncing here there and everywhere. <laughs> you know, just uh, all these. So I love that. I think the music uh, just set everything up perfectly. I love the casting, um, which I thought was flawless. And just, we you had good actors who not only, like, whenever you watch a corny movie, you don't usually get a fight scene that is on the level of the man in black versus- uh, Listen, they, 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 they both, they trained for months. They trained for and months and they, and they were not body doubles. That they, It was actually the two of them doing That's those things. It is so good. Like even it's now, so, like, they're so well it's done. So I was they're, watching yeah. this. I was watching this um, uh, on YouTube. One of these things. It was the top ten sword fights in cinematic history, and that made the list. I believe that that made the list. And yep. and they're not fighters. That's not what they do in any no. other movie. But it's just you could tell that even though this movie was silly, the actors took it so seriously. Yes, they did. And so. Um, and bro, that. before you move on from the casting, I have a um, an interesting casting point. So the director, Rob Reiner, he auditioned over 500 women for the role of Buttercup. And y'all are wow. not going to believe some of these names. Courtney Cox, who Yay. we know as Monica, you know, from Friends. Meg Ryan. Hello. You know, you've got mail. Uma Thurman. And guess who else? Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Wow. That, that, that actually would have took me out of it. Any, any, well, any of these, any of these would have made this movie funny, different. but in a different way. In a different way. The only yeah. one on that list that puts a question mark in my mind. Can I, can I guess? Please. Meg Ryan? Meg no. Ryan. Yeah. yeah to me, was you know, I like Meg Ryan, and we've actually had a chance to see her kind of like with Billy Crystal. You know, so we know that, that she can do that kind of humor. That they that they that they were using in this kind of like I have a straight face, but I'm really being silly right now. We know she can do that, but I I couldn't see her in this role. But again, I also don't know her when she was like a teen, like a really young, you know. Sprite. But see, the thing you is, know. is that I would have said that same thing about Robin Wright. 
Because mm. if I if I would have been introduced to Robin Wright through House of Cards, and then, and then, and then found out she that, was cast as Buttercup, you'd have because been like, I had to look it up because I'm watching House of Cards, which I was really into at one point. I'm like, where do I know her from? Right. And I looked it up. Yeah. It was almost those things that you got to click in a couple times. Like for real. Is this it's really? like, oh yeah, that was her. Yeah. Yeah. But um, and lastly, I just love the, the fact that they named her Buttercup. Yeah, just what is like, that about? I was it's like, like that's your real name. Where is your no. mama? I never saw her parents. I said, "What is going on? Where's your name, Buttercup?" It was like they just went down the list of all the flowers, and they were like, "No, not Rose. Meh, that's too too common." And then they went with it was like they went with the the silliest possible flower name. I just thought it was such a silly and therefore the perfect is, choice. Fact that. You know, you got Buttercup and you got Tyrone. That the, the, the naming was also part of it. Like totally. all of these names were just totally. And, and I, I mean, the last, which brings me, I'm just saying the plot. I love right now, everything is so serious. Like I'm watching Americans right now, which is one of the most serious shows I watch. Mm. Everything is serious. Everything yeah. is has a message, it has a, if this was just in a time where you just had a fun movie, the plot was simple. There's a kidnap victim, you know, you got somebody who's saving And the her. message was just love conquers all. That's love all. conquers That's the all. whole message. It was, it was a happy ending. Everybody made it to the end. You're okay with it. You know what I mean? It just, it just the, um, and even how, you saw Fred Savage, who also I think did a good job of mm-hmm. acting the way a little boy would act, because that's how you act when you know. This when I was a little boy, you know, you want to act like you don't want them. Is there kissing? Uh, you know, but in the back <laughs> of your mind, you really like it. You know. <laughs> but y'all, you can, can I tell you? I actually think I I did not need that little that whole little beginning i didn't need the the grandfather and the grandson you know i think they could have just sliced that right off and went right into the movie in some way into the story so yeah, i actually didn't yeah. need that i mean yeah, but, I I, did, but i didn't think it hurt the movie well i was but like I what, see what, what you're saying not, not when i was trying to justify it in my mind i'm like maybe that guy who was playing the grandfather was a big deal and that was an important cameo and it turns out that Peter Falk, who paid the grandpa, he is Columbo. And that was like a really, you know, famous um, detective show. Like he was a detective in the LAPD. And it was a, it was a, it was an NBC show that ran for a good minute. And so I think it might've been a bit of a coup to have him in this movie. Yeah. But honestly, that whole little opening, I just didn't think you needed it. You know. No, I can see I that. But, know, I, but I didn't think it hurt. I don't know. You didn't need a narrator even, kind of. So, But I feel like those types of movies that are like in imagination land, you always have a, <laughs> you always have a narrator. Yeah, it, never, it never fell off to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, yeah. And I thought, I did think it was cute that it was a story because I liked having how there were some parts where they had to, the characters did it over again. Yeah. Because... You know, the the grandson was interrupting. 
They did integrate it well. Yeah, they integrated it well. And I actually I learned a term for that, y'all. I did not know this term, but it was in preparing for this podcast. There is breaking a, a fourth wall. <laughs> no, I know that one. Um, it's it's <laughs> metafiction. Mm. And it's a form of fiction which emphasizes its own constructiveness in a way that continually reminds the audience to be aware they are reading or viewing a fictional work. Ah. And so the grandfather and the grandson, they were a mechanism to kind of put us in that um, metafiction kind of, you know, construct. And metafiction you is frequently used. Book. <laughs> it's, a, it's a form of parody. That's probably why, that's probably why the sets could be like they were. Totally. So yeah. maybe it was necessary, sis. Because, because if that, not, then you would have want you would have wanted the sets to be better. Maybe so. You know what I mean? Maybe but like, so, since bro. you know you're just reading a book, it's like whatever. Just reading. You're the book, creating so these is, sets in your brain. Totally. Mm. It's almost like we were when we did the never-ending story, and part of how we justified the crappiness of the puppets and the makeup and the scenery was that it was like. It was a little boy's imagination. Right, right. Do you remember that? Like, it was like, okay, your idea yeah. of a luck dragon is a dog with a, with a lizard body. A and it's because that's probably what a little dog. boy might have imagined. <laughs> and so as you're talking, you're all right. The, you're right. The, I, feel, I feel better about the grandpa now that we've had this conversation. But the whole time I was like, I don't need this, this, this chit chat with this grandfather and grandson. I didn't need it. That's you in real life, so... <laughs> <laughs> so true so true <laughs> i am happy you talked about the music though because i when you think about this kind of movie i wouldn't have expected the, the music to play as much of a part as it did and it did it was really it sets the mood it, just it does puts you in that and I, i'm just telling you i just I really i just really enjoyed <laughs> maybe it was everything so good, is so serious now it. Everything is everything is so serious. Everything we talk about is just like we got pandemics and you know world financial crisis. Just, yeah. Everything is just heavy. Listen, everything yeah. is heavy. Even, and it even, was just even like, the idea. Go ahead, just passed away at that concert. It's so much going on. I turned on the news and I was like, uh, I'm just saying it was nice. <laughs> yeah. Even the even the the name, the impetus for the name of it. So the 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 book, it was actually a book by a man named William Goldman, and he adapted into a screen into a screenplay for the for the movie. And mm. um, you know, before he wrote The Princess Bride, he asked his two daughters what he should write about. And one said a princess and the other said a bride. And the title was born from Aww. that. You know, so bro, just to your point of it just being light. It even just from that very initial moment of watch the movie again. I have the idea coming together. It was just it was light. It was never ever heavy. I'm I'm surprised Jeanette doesn't have anything to say about that. (laughs) About what? The little girls saying, "Ooh, princess and a bride." Uh, That being a a CEO and a doctor, maybe? Uh, 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 Why not a warrior? Yeah, I do feel bad for those girls, but I um, <laughs> I'm happy you named it because they're they're obviously not focused appropriately in their childhoods. But I will say, like the character of Buttercup, listen, she was I I just liked her so much. I mean, Buttercup, they yeah, she were was 
she was fierce. She was getting kidnapped and was talking smack the whole time. Okay. Yeah, was going to check out. Yeah. She was like, listen, if, if, if okay, okay, so my man is dead. I don't have no reason to live. I'm, I'm killing myself. You're not going to have me up here in this marriage. Ooh, that, that was, that was another, that was That's another well-acted scene. He was fierce. That was another well-acted scene. I died that day. Like she nailed that. She that did. was like, that was real life. That was good acting. Like yeah. in the midst of this. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that was it's a, just interesting because I hadn't thought about that until you brought it up. But like, yeah. And bro, when you you just reminded me, how could I forget this, y'all? This this very interesting factoid. Um, Mandy Patinkin, <sighs> Mandy Patinkin, y'all, his father had just died of cancer a few years before the filming. Mm. And so he actually says, like, when he was playing this character for him, it was therapeutic because he got to just somehow fight and and kill that thing that that had taken his father out. And so wow. for him, it was therapeutic. Just even that line he got to say over and over again, um, it felt oh like for father. him, you know, he was able to pour his personal experience into that character. You know, That's you killed so my good. father, prepared to die. And he was able to- That's why he did so well. Yeah, wow. totally. So those moments where these actors went deep into that, that dramatic emotion, um, you know, in some cases they were pulling from their own experiences, but they, they did some heavy hitter acting. Which is why I'm surprised the movie didn't win a bunch of awards. Like I was expecting it to have Probably had didn't do more. Well enough. It didn't do well enough. Mm-hmm. I was expecting it to have more like notoriety at its time, and it didn't. It didn't. It's it's been as a cult classic that has stayed alive. Well, I tell you what, I would definitely wow. go to a Princess Bride like thing where you had to dress up. I would do it. Comic <laughs> Con. We can host it. Oh man, the right perspective does events. Yes. This is the problem. You have to be very people in podcast land. You have to be very careful talking about ideas in front of my sister. <laughs> if you don't want those ideas to come to fruition, you better not say it. <laughs> you better not say it. Cause she's gonna pull it down out the ethos. Oh, it's funny because it's true. Yeah, it's so true. It is. Bro, but like, that's yeah, actually... if they did it, if they did a movie like uh, uh, you know how they'll do. Like showing. like Rocky Horror Picture Show, oh yeah, I bro yeah. that actually would be fun. But you yeah, but Brittany, you were just making this point. There's no black people in there. Not there's none. Like, but it's okay. Like, but I think because of so the setting. Crazy, well, the setting, but also just because I think that we're just used to it. Like when we're not there, when we're not represented, we don't even bat an eye. We're just like, oh, no black. Well, and for, also, but also, for, they, for me, they, were, like, they were mocking something, and it it went to you know, it was like it needed to be a caricature of of it of that of that. Whole I, I'm gonna tell you, for me, I am actually okay in a situation where there's no black people, if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I prefer it rather than having something forced in. If I have to have the choice between those two, I'd rather just because <laughs> yeah. the other way when somebody just forces it in that I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't oh my gosh, bro. I don't know what you just said that made me remember this. <laughs> But do you remember when Buttercup was having that nightmare 
And um, there was a lady booing her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Her, that actress's name was Marjorie Mason. And guess what her character was called? The Ancient Booer. <laughs> See, this is how much they were just making fun. But when, when that scene happened, when she was booing Buttercup, I was like, oh, this is a precursor to that scene where Cersei in um, Game of Thrones was getting booed and the people were throwing poop at her and stuff. Did y'all, so <laughs> did y'all think of that did Game of Thrones scene at all when that lady was booing Buttercup? I can see why it would make you think of it, but I just want you to know <laughs> that did. the Game of Thrones walk of shame had nothing to do with Buttercup's dream. I just want you to know that. About and somebody I don't need getting, to get booed, on Google. Getting, getting booed real good? Listen, I don't know. That was <laughs> that was a different level of booing that happened in Cersei. Once we're super famous and you're interviewing George R. R. Martin, I want you to remember <laughs> this question. And I want you to say, while you're very serious and you know the set looks like the actor's studio, sure. and you're you say, listen, yeah, in let's, the let's scene, talk about in your influence. Saint- let's talk about your influence with Cersei. Yeah, was the inspiration of Princess Bride? <laughs> With the ancient booer. Let me get real serious. Wait for <laughs> She'll be like, I'm so happy you brought that up. He. Because most people don't, huh? He. The Who? scene Arby was saying George R. R. Martin. Well, no, I said, I'm so, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, he'll say, I'm so, who, oh, is that the director? <laughs> Because, honey, I thought y'all were talking about the actress this whole time. Finish <laughs> <laughs> your thought. Finish your thought, though, sis. She, she, she. she it's time to vote. It's time to vote. Take us to the vote, bro. Take us to the vote. Take us to the vote. Oh, this whole time, I thought y'all were talking about Cersei's rumor. <laughs> Oh boy. That's so funny. Yeah, evening oh. podcast recordings, not our strength. Okay, tiredness, you know. <laughs> or just this is me in general. I never know these <laughs> This is not blame. We're not closing a thing. Clock. Yeah. I never you, know. All, I all, never know. Can you also hear me? Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. I'm I had a little technical difficulty on my side. Mm. So. It's all right. Well, take, take us to the vote, bro. Take us to the All vote. Right. Well, I mean, I'll take us to the vote. Take us to the Princess vote. Bride gets my mask. And that I will wear because if I went <laughs> to a, um, if I went to this showing where we dress up, I would definitely dress up as Wesley. Mm-hmm. Would you be upset if someone thought you were Zorro? <laughs> Nobody would think I was at Zorro at the Princess Bride. Uh, okay. Sis, you remember Zorro? Yeah. The Catherine Zeta-Jones version. Okay. Yeah, Zorro's pretty big. Yeah. Oh, so yes, he gets my mask. You know, I, um, this movie does get my mask. And I'm going to tell you, though, y'all, it was shaky there. Because when I was, one of the things we always talk about, like, in the criteria for whether we would deem it a, a classic is whether you would, um, you know, whether it would stand the test of time. And I got to tell you, somebody who had not seen this movie before turning it on and that whole little scene opening with the grandfather and the grandson, I just don't think you would keep watching, you know? So I, I just, 
I, I think like I had, you all helped me to get beyond that today though, in our conversation. And so, um, yeah, I would give this movie my mask for the very great portrayals, um, the way that these actors were able to be caricatures, but also have a ton of heart in their delivery. Um, and the way that we were able to find out so much backstory for so many characters. And then there were other characters where we never got their full backstory, but we still were very emotionally attached. Like, we don't know why um, Buttercup was a farm girl. Like, we don't have any sense of her back. Where were her parents at? You know, we don't have any of that, but we were still, they gave us enough of uh, depth of emotion from her that we were, we were, we were in it. So between the strong portrayals, the really humorous writing, and what is surely some great improv by the actors, um, I definitely would give this movie my mask. Nice. Sis? So, <laughs> um, yeah, this is kind of hard only because I love my siblings and I want to support them. <laughs> Keep it real. Keep it real. Keep it 100. I thought to myself, I was like, I could see one of them babysitting one of my offspring and showing them this movie because I would not, because I wouldn't remember it after the day I watched it. <laughs> so with that being said, it doesn't get my mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know what, Brie? But here's here's the thing. I believe that Britney's vote is the most heavy in this situation because she's the one watching it with fresh, fresh eyes. eyes. Fresh you know what I mean? Eyes. So like yep. there's no way I'll be able to separate myself from I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. Yeah. I can I could I'm not saying I could quote it, but I can write down definitely all plot points and do a lot of quoting. Yeah, so, I think that that's something that makes things a classic mm. when you have an emotional connection to it. Sure. You know, but, but but it's also when other people can't. Well, that's well, the thing. And, and see, and that's why I feel bad because I'm like, I'm sure there are tons of people that are like, what? Throw tomatoes at her. Well, you, there, there you have it, folks. The Princess Bride is not a classic from the right perspective. Thank you for going on this journey for, with us. Okay, we learned some new some new terms today. Okay, we did. <laughs> kind of yeah. learning we, we went on meta fiction. Totally, totally love doing this one. This was a good. This was a good pick, bro. Good pick. Good pick. <laughs> I forgot I suggested it, but great. oh yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, because you did like our last couple movies, so yeah. Well, I'm picking the next one, y'all. Well, I haven't picked reason? it yet, but it's coming. I can't remember my reasoning. I remember it. I, I know it what just... it was. What was it? I okay. remember it was because we watched Grease. And Grease, Aubrey, you were like, is Grease mocking itself? Or is it actually not top-notch? And then... We were calling Which, out Princess Bride as an example of a movie you're both that was actually okay. being silly. Okay. And no, Greece was not being silly. They did cast 50-year-olds to play teenagers. 
which don't we always say that you kids think you're grown (laughs) why not get some grown kids (laughs) can i I point out something um Brittany, uh the thing i have to deal with of course i supported Brittany and not liking princess of the bride but of course when we don't like Greece. We're crazy. I just want to point that out. Here's the thing about facts. There, you know that's what? it. That's it. There's, <laughs> here's the thing about facts. We're, we're my, my sisters, and we got to wrap up, but my sisters <laughs> both do this thing from time to time <laughs> when they realize we're outside of logic and they just don't care. <laughs> This yeah. happens often. Yeah. But like, there's a time they'll be like, yeah, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you and can't argue past that. And there's another man that did that, <laughs> and his name was William Goldman. And he wrote a little something called The Princess Bride. Okay. All right. That's it for the show. Where's the mic? Drop it. Where's the mic? Drop it. Drop it. back. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This has been The Right Perspective. We'll see you next time. Bye. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>